Fellowship. Happy New Year. I got two questions. First, raise your hand if you made it to midnight last night. Let's see, show of hands. All right. Joanna said she, she thinks she made it. She doesn't know exactly what time she fell asleep. She just, and I was the same way. I was, I was crashing a little early. Uh, second question, raise your hand if you've made a New Year's resolution. You don't have to tell me what it is. Just raise your hand. Okay, not that many. All right. Uh, well, hey, uh, this, this morning, I'm excited to worship with you all, um, and, and we're going to reflect some, uh, we're actually going to reflect on uh, probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture, so I'm, I'm excited to, to get to be in the room this morning as Clark teaches. Um, but whether you've made a, a resolution or not, whether you think it's an awesome thing or, or it's a silly thing, uh, my prayer for us this year is that we're able to grow more in the love of Jesus, whatever that is. And it it can be tied into your resolution or not, but that's my prayer for our church, is that year after year, we grow in the love of Jesus, that he remains our foundation. He's a firm foundation. He's the only foundation that is firm for us. Everything else is fleeting and unstable. But we can rest in Christ. And so that's my prayer for us as a church. And so we're gonna remind ourselves of the love of Jesus, that he's the only lasting thing that we have to cling to. So we're gonna remind ourselves of that this morning as we worship. So if you would, let's stand together. Let's sing these songs. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a
church family and happy new year scott and audrey won't you guys have a seat right here we'll keep you from falling off the front of the stage uh, my name's clark and if i haven't met you and you're new to fellowship on this first day of the year 2023 
Uh, would love to meet you. Um, if you want to know more about Fellowship Fayetteville and kind of what we're about and ways to be connected, um, you can see someone at the information booth on your way out. Also, at the community booth, we'd love to get you connected to a small group. And also wanted to mention this, um, on behalf of our Fellowship Student Ministry team, um, if you are a parent of a ninth and 10th grader in two weeks, they're going to be on a retreat called Chill Out. And so check out our website and you can go on there and sign up for that. We wanted to just remind you of that right out of the gate this year. Well, our theme this morning um, in our text, if you have your Bibles, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to be teaching through that passage here in a little bit, but um, it's 2 Corinthians 5 and we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 21. And it speaks of what it means to be a, a minister of reconciliation or an ambassador for Christ, or an ambassador of Christ. And the big idea is that our identity in Christ empowers our mission for Christ. And we have a couple up here this morning, and they're in town for a few weeks, and we didn't want to miss the opportunity, Audrey, Scott, to celebrate what God's doing in and through you guys. And so um, you're wanting this microphone. I know you keep looking at it. Yeah, waiting for that first question. Um, you guys have been part of Fellowship Fayetteville for a few years now, and um, when it comes to identity in Christ, you guys both had a transformation of identity in college. Can you just catch us up to speed on just kind of how that happened? I know that wasn't a question that I told you to be ready to ask, but this is your story. And so tell us what transformed you, kind of how that happened. Give us the, the brief synopsis of that. Yeah, I think for me, it was just, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and when I went to college, it was really, I took on kind of my walk with Christ as my own, and so it wasn't until my sophomore year of college that I really gave my life to Christ, and I was really dived deep into a student ministry, and so I had just a body of believers around me who were pursuing Christ, and I wanted to, I, I just saw Christ through them, and so I gave my life to Christ my sophomore year of college, and then it's just been a continual step of obedience each year after that, and just um, saying yes to him and no to the things of the world, and it's just been such a joy to know Christ. How about you, Audrey? So same for me, my sophomore year, actually. I grew up in a small town, in a church, and... Hey, by the way, we gotta let them know. It's Mountainburg. Oh, my goodness. No. Anybody Mountainburg oh, folks no. up here? Mountainburg? Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Um, yeah, anyway, though, and I came to college and joined a sorority. And of all things, actually, the girls in my sorority took the time and just sat down and shared the gospel with me. Um, and I had gone to church. And so I knew some things, but, like, I wasn't, like, I hadn't given my life to the Lord. And... And it's just, like, them pursuing me and me realizing, like, wow, like, they do have a true joy from the Lord. And, and so eventually just, I was like, God, I want to give you my life. I want to trust you with it. And just slowly, just loving his word and him just, like, knocking sin out of my life as I continue to grow closer to him. So, yeah. So they are working through a program called Radius. And um, it's in another country. And they're just here for a few weeks, like I said. And they're preparing to be church planters in a place where the gospel has yet to be known or heard, the name of Jesus spoken. And so they're preparing to go. And so I just wanted to ask you why. For all the opportunities you guys could have in front of you um, to pursue a lot of other things, why do you want to give your life to that? Yeah, I think it's just been, for me personally, it's just been seeing it in God's word as the passage that we're going to talk about today, it's like God is reconciling the world to himself in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And so it's only that through Christ that we're able to do any of this. And so that just gives us confidence that it's not us, we're just the vessels and we're allowing God to work through us. But then we also see that it has a heart for the entire world. And so I and us as followers of Christ want to have that same heart. We want to have a heart for the nations. And so I think that's just what drives me in this whole task is just, hey, God has a heart for the nation, so why not I? Yeah. Audrey, would you add anything to that for you? Just the big why? I'd say just like when it comes down to it, you're like thinking about what, right, what is this life and what is going on in this world? And like it is the Lord's world and he does have a plan and it is going to end one day and like his kingdom will come. And like right now is our only time to build his kingdom and just make his name known. And so 
I'm like, Lord, like for me, it was just like, Lord, I don't care what I do. I just like want to live for you. And he just like slowly led me in this direction, just so gently, just thing after thing. And I'm like, okay, if it's overseas, that's perfect. Um, so yeah. Well, we want to let some of their practical things they did to cultivate their heart for the world just kind of flow over um, into this room. And so many of you are trying to figure out how can you play your part in that. Um, folks play their part through generosity, through prayer, um, and through befriending internationals and creating a heart for the world here in Fellowship, at Fellowship Faithville. And so um, could you guys share, I watched you guys in the marketplace for a few years, um, build this idea of a heart for the world in and through your daily life, practically. And so what are a few examples of those just to kind of help us see, how, what does this look like in everyday life? For me, you already said it, but um, just when I grew up, I like everyone looked like me. I didn't really know anyone different than who was around me. But then coming to Fayetteville, there's a lot of people here from other countries, probably people in this room right now. And I just realized the Lord has made them in his image as well. And God is a global God. And I just came to love the other cultures and how they represent God's beauty. Um, but also, a lot of times, they might have grown up in a place where they don't know the Lord. And just the joy it is to get to share with somebody about his love. And so that hugely grew my heart for the world. Yeah, and I think just for me, it's just kind of going back to, I saw it in scripture that God just has a heart for the world, and it was until my senior year of college that I really grasped that and understood it, and after that, it was honestly, it was just one step of obedience after another, and just saying yes to God, even though when it was hard and when it got tough, um, it was just one thing after another, and so I think after I graduated college, I was a part of the residency here in the same way, just seeing the international students and seeing a different culture from all over the world, um, just God's creativity in each one of us created in his image, um, even though I didn't grow up with them or anything, but they're here in Arkansas at the U of A, and it's been just such a blessing to get to know the international students and see the difference in culture, because um, I just think it all just is to glorify God. I appreciate you guys being with us this morning, and we want to pray for you as a church as y'all continue to plan and prepare to go um, over these next few months, and um, if you're interested in connecting with international opportunities, uh, we do that through Furniture Friends here at Fellowship Fayetteville through International Student Christian Association. You can do that through the Friendship Family um, Experience at the University of Arkansas. Those are a variety of ways. Are there any other ways um, or organizations that you guys have connected with? Related to international students? There's a place called Spring International. I think it's still that. And that's where they bring in internationals that just moved here and they teach them English. And you can go volunteer with them and just be an English helper. But that's just a great way to get to know people and okay. super easy. Good deal. Hey, let's pray for them. And um, as we pray for them, um, I know the holidays, um, I've, um, it's been brought to my attention through some just relationships uh, with those of you in our family of faith. We've lost some, um, some great folks over the holidays that have passed on to be with the Lord. Miss Mary Fitzpatrick um, passed away, and so did Miss Dorothy Davis, and I'm sure there are others, but two that I'm aware of. And uh, just, I know the holidays, we come into the new year, we're excited about what God has for us, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to pray God's empathy um, into those spaces as well in those families. And so let's pray. Father, um, thank you for being um, with us uh, when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death with others. And so, God, I pray for the Davis family, uh, for the Fitzpatrick family, um, that you would be uh, near and dear to them, uh, that your peace and pre presence would overwhelm them. And for Scott and Audrey, give them wisdom and grace as they move forward um, with where you would have them go. And God, I pray that you would empower them in the scriptures, protect them through your word, your spirit, and your people um, from lies that would tempt them to walk away from what you're calling them to be and to do. God, I pray that you would give them a deep sense of your joy, um, that, you're, that they are right where you want them to be. And uh, we appreciate your work in and through them as part of our church. In Jesus' name.
If you're able to, let's stand. Let's continue to worship this morning. What gifts of grace is Jesus my redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hold my hope is only Jesus for my life is holy bound to him and oh how strange and divine I can say
we sing those words, yet not I. There's nothing that, that we can bring to the table that offers any righteousness, no matter what we do. In fact, we're a sinful people. So that's what we bring to the table. We bring our sin to the table. So let's be reminded this morning through our confession of that sin. It's good for us to, as a, as a church body, to be reminded of that. So let's say this together. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior. We're reminded that we are sinful people. We don't sit in that because we have a savior that has come and has redeemed us. And it's yet not us, it's not in us, but it's through Christ alone. And so church, believe the good news. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Perhaps maybe the greatest assurance of pardon that we have comes to us through the scripture this morning. A reading from the second letter of Paul the church of Corinth. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord may be seated. Thank you, Ryan and Joanna. And uh, what a text. Is that not a good passage to hear read on this first day of 2023? Um, it, no doubt, um, many of you have made it uh, to church uh, with some hope um, for 2023. And uh, the new year does bring um, for some of us, it brings cynicism and skepticism, and we like to mock others when they make resolutions, and I'm not going to be that person this morning, okay? Um, but it is a time to renew or uh, recommit to stop, start behaviors, patterns that promise to make our quality of life better. And so I think this is a great opportunity to do that, and obviously we're in a church this morning, so we're going to focus on some spiritual concepts to help us do that in Christ. Um, if you can see on the screen there, um, these are uh, the top eight. A friend of mine sent me these that he had come across, and they're not ranked in any particular order of things that most people lean into when it comes to New Year's resolutions. And I think we could all stand to lean into some of those. And so um, kudos to you if you're leaning into some of these. But some of you maybe have some spiritual New Year's resolutions. And if one of them was to come to church, and you're here this morning, I commend you. You've succeeded. You've got 51 more Sundays, all right? I think a lot of folks probably thought, well, I'm committed to coming to church this year, but we're going to start January the 8th, all right? But if you're here this morning, I commend you on that. And whether you're a longtime member or a, 
a brand new family here at Fellowship Fayetteville today. Um, what we're going to do this morning, I want to walk you through where we're going this year as a church, and then we're going to weave in some big ideas from this passage in 2 Corinthians 5. And I want to push us outside our comfort zone a little bit and lift our eyes up to why God has left you here and why he has you in this room this morning. And so we believe here at Fellowship Fayetteville in the midst of all of our various circumstances, and some of you are in those right now, be it trial or be it a, a providential, sovereign season of blessing that you find yourself in. We believe that God uses his word, his spirit, and his people primarily to transform us from the inside out. So any kind of resolution we make, spiritually speaking, in here this morning, it's rooted in those three ideas, his word, his spirit, and his people. And so we're going to walk you through, um, just early on here in the teaching, a few things that um, kind of walk us where we're going together as a church. And so uh, you'll see on the screen our teaching series in this room on Sundays. We're excited. Um, the first part of the year, we're going to be working through the Old Testament narrative books of Esther and Daniel, and we're going to do this up through Palm Sunday and Easter, and we're going to learn what does it look like to trust God that he is sovereign and in control in very dark circumstances. Anyone up for that? You find yourself in that space this morning. We're going to learn how to walk with integrity when there's compromise all around us. We're going to learn what God's doing in the world and where his plan is taking us. After Easter, we're going to do a short series on the post-resurrection experience of Jesus and what those things mean for us today. And then this summer, we're really excited about this. We're going to walk through the epistle of 1 Peter, and we're going to see what happens when our earthly citizenship collides with our spiritual citizenship. And what implications does that have for us here at this time, at this place in Fayetteville, Arkansas, how do we walk in our identity when those two citizenships collide? And then this fall, we're going to work through Paul's letter to the Philippian church together. It's a strange, short letter that roots us in this idea, this deep-seated idea of joy in the midst of all circumstances, be it good or bad. And so we're going to have a great year together in the scripture. Can we get excited about this? You got to, hey. You bring your Bibles, and if you don't have one, we'd be happy to gift one to you on your way out. You can see the information booth, and they may have some for you um, for this year, but we're going to root this in the Scriptures, and we're excited to do that. In fact, um, if you haven't got one, we have these. Actually, just got them before the holidays. It's our Esther Daniel study guide, and so there's devotional content. There's Bible study prompts in there to help you be a self-feeder on the Scriptures in the context of your small group. There's questions in there for your small group, and there's a little bit of background information. There's some very interesting stories in these books that we're going to be studying, and so that should help you. You can grab one of those on the way out. And then we know that here at Fellowship Fayetteville, to experience the fullness of life here at Fellowship Fayetteville, we want you to be connected in a small group, men's group, a women's group, a Celebrate Recovery Step Study, a cell group for students a college small group, or for most of the adults in here, your community group. And so we'll provide you with content through these books uh, for our teaching series. We're also going to, again, have a, an offering for what we call a spiritual formation group. It's a group designed to take um, content to root you deep in the disciplines of the Christian faith so you can grow um, from the inside out in your commitment to Christ and understand basic spiritual practices we're also going to have offerings for um, those of you that are trying to figure out how to have a gospel-centered, Jesus-honoring home as a parent, and what does that mean practically. So there'll be groups for you to sign up for that as well, and then we'll have opportunities for you to be a part of some marriage small groups. And in light of that, there are a couple of things um, available to you if you're trying to hit reset um, in the context of your current marriage, and you're trying to find hope in a dark place. Um, we have a, a an initiative called Reengage, and it does meet in Rogers on Sunday evenings. It's a, it's a large group, small group format, but it's designed to help you hit reset 
um, in your marriage, and if you find, even if you find yourself in the marital ER, if you will, it's designed to kind of walk you through that season of your life as well. We also, in February, will start our Merge Initiative, which is for seriously dating or engaged couples. It's an eight-week large group, small group experience that meets over here in the FSM room. And so um, if you find yourself in that season, we'd love to help you establish principles for a healthy marriage in Christ. And so take note of that. Um, but as for today, like I said, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to center us on some core primary essential truths that if you don't do anything else this year, we've got to get these two things right and not backwards, by the way. You see, we learned in, in Ephesians, the first three chapters, that our identity in Christ is the most important thing about us. Because of that, it affects how we behave, how we think, how we treat others, how we proceed in living the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We've got to understand our identity in Christ. And so this morning, we're going to center around this core idea, our identity in Christ empowers our mission for Christ. Our identity in Christ empowers our mission for Christ. If you need a Bible, like I said, you can pick one up on, your, on the way out. But 2 Corinthians 5, is, um, it's found in the eighth book of your New Testament. In the context of the letter, there's a lot going on in First and 2 Corinthians. One, uh, it's a very immature church, first and second generation Christians. They're trying to figure out across demographic lines how to get along with one another, how to practice their spiritual gifts with respect towards one another, um, how to be rooted in Christ and not focused on their own self-indulgent needs and self-importance. There's also something else going on. Paul is being pushed and challenged as to his credibility. And there's some questioning going on on his apostleship. And he's having to defend himself and his authority. And we have a little bit of that going on specifically here um, in our passage today. And so he leans into motive, which I want to I lean into with us as a church family in this, this morning too. He crystallizes his motive for why he's following Jesus and why he's sacrificing his life for the Great Commission on behalf of this church. And so if you need some New Year's motivation, I want to give you some right out of the gate. Now, I'm going to drop some really heavy things on you right, just really quick here. Each one of these could be a standalone teaching, and you're going to have questions after we walk through these motivations. They're in the Scriptures, and so here at Fellowship Fayetteville, we stand under the Scriptures, and we let the Scriptures teach us what to do. We don't stand over the Scriptures and tell them what we think it should say, right? And so this morning, we're going to listen to the Scriptures. We're going to listen to these four motives that set our passage up for today. Verse 9, Paul's just walked him through this understanding of what it means to be at home or away in the Lord. Basically, uh, an understanding of what you might call a personal eschatology, an understanding of, of what happens to our soul when we pass. And then he says this, we make it our aim to please him. Chief motivation for Paul is to please the Lord. He's not in this for money. He's not in this to cower or have a hyper concern for what others think. He's in it to please God and to please God alone. And then he builds on this idea in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now listen to how he explains that, so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. This is where we get our context of the Bema or the Bema seat. Okay, a lot could be said here, but for our purposes this morning, this is an often overlooked section of Paul's teaching. This judgment specifically is what we would call the believer's judgment. It's a judgment for those who are in Christ. This specific judgment does not affect your eternal destiny in terms of where you end up. But what it does affect, it's a judgment of whether or not in obedience, in the spirit, you lived a weighty or an empty life a worthwhile or a worthless life. It's where you're held accountable in Christ for a stewardship of your gifts and the resources 
that he's given you to accomplish this mission we're going to talk about, okay? Now, again, I know some of you are going, what is that? And so we can talk more about that, but I want to encourage you to to dive deep into that idea um, even this new year. He then in verse 11 says, knowing the fear of the Lord. Paul's the most secure one we have in Christ, if you read his letters, and yet he lives in this reverent awe that he's accountable to God and he answers to him. Some of us need that in here this morning as we enter into this year. You are accountable to God and we answer to him as a church. If you move further down in verse 14, he sums it up. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And it seems to be this underlying motivation, the love and the luster of Jesus and what Jesus has done for Paul on his behalf, it never fades, his motivation. It's the constant driving source for all he does. Now, this is what I don't want us to do this morning when we consider this being a new year, and I consider you being compelled by words that I say to go out and be on mission for Christ, okay? What we don't need to happen here is for this to be the year where you try harder in self-righteousness so that you can look around to your right or your left and compare yourself how you're doing compared to other people. That's what we call self-righteousness, okay? The gifts that we have in Christ, the spirit that we have in us, for those of us that are in Christ, and his word are sufficient to do the work that he's asked us to do, and we're going to have to lean into that. And so this is not a self-righteous efforting experience, okay? We're not into behavior modification this year. We want internal heart transformation that's rooted in these motivations that Paul has given us. Verse 17, the good news. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This verse is a recap of Ephesians 1 through 3 for us. When God puts his spirit in you and begins transforming your desires, your perspectives, your passions, your purpose in life, both as an individual, by the way, but also collectively as a church, it has ramifications there. What does it mean to be in Christ? Six different times, you can see on the screen here, there's a preposition connected to Christ in these five verses, in Christ, through Christ, in Christ, for Christ, of Christ, in him. Our identity is in him. But how do we get that identity? How does that transaction, if you will, or that experience happen? Well, I think there's a clue in verse 21, and this mission is sandwiched in two gospel statements of things that God has accomplished in Christ by no doing of your own other than faith and trust in what God has done. Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ryan, I know, Ryan, are you in the room here? I know that's his favorite verse, and it's become one of my favorite verses. If you just meditated on that verse all year, I would be happy as a lark as your pastor. It's loaded with goodness and gospel. There's a lot going on here. Some have called this verse, um, some have suggested there's only 15 Greek words here, and they've called this verse the great exchange. This is how our new identity comes into being. He takes on our sin, and he gives us his righteousness. This statement is at the heart of what theologians call the atonement. One theologian has noted that there are 33 distinct things that become true of someone when they believe in Christ for salvation, and that's good news for us this morning. Now, hear me clearly. In our identification with Christ, his perfect life, his death in our place, in his resurrection, when we trust in him for those works on our behalf, our standing and position with God changes. We become holy and right and just and pure. We become the righteousness 
of God. The word righteousness of God, or that phrase, simply means justice, truthfulness, or right. God accomplishes what he requires on our behalf so that we can stand before him and live in his presence. Not just in eternity, but this side of heaven. He does that work for us. It's not on our own. We don't achieve it through self-effort. It's granted by grace. There's no place for self-righteousness here. Um, One definition is the, the condition of man that is acceptable to God. Now, I want to add this. If you were a Jew reading this, in this righteousness of God phrase, it's all through the scriptures. And in the Old Testament, the name Yahweh carried with it the idea, covenant-keeping God, a faithful covenant-keeping God. He would keep his promises that he made to the nation of Israel. His people did not fully keep the Old Testament law as a whole. But God never wavered, and he could be trusted. He was always righteous. Jesus is the embodiment of this covenant faithfulness for both Jews and for us as Gentiles. You see, in his identification with us, as I mentioned, his just life, his death, in our place, his resurrection, God sees his covenant faithfulness now as counted to us. Not because of you. Jesus was the embodiment of covenant faithfulness. And a full orb view of this righteousness of God is that God made a way for us to experience his presence through this covenant faithfulness. In providing a way for us to be covenantally faithful. He provides what he expects in Jesus. No, that's a lot to take in, but this is good news for us. Or as Romans 3 says, he is both just and the justifier in that provision. And this is good news for us. And this great news has implications for us in our mission. This is the good news that we proclaim to the world. Now that we understand what God has done in and for us through Christ He gives us this mission, verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that ministry? Verse 19, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and doing what? Entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Now reconciliation is a simple term. It's complex in terms of how God pulled it off in Christ, but it means to make peace between two parties that were once at enmity, between us and God. He did that through Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. In Christ, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this definitive application for sure is for individuals in here unto salvation but it's also the message of the collective church as we are allied to our friends and those who are outside of Christ here in Fayetteville. As we learn in Ephesians, though, this reconciling mission, it also speaks to God's plan to reconcile all things in heaven and earth, in the cosmos, all things restored to a peace where he's ruling and reigning, and that's where history's going, and we get to be a part of that. So we're called ministers of reconciliation. And in light of that mission, also wanted to just kind of remind you of some of the things that are going on um, later um, here at Fellowship Favor. There are ways that you can participate in being equipped to be this minister of reconciliation. Now, to be fair, we likely know more in terms of just basic knowledge of the scriptures in this room than they knew in the first century. And they were faithful to proclaim the good news. But we also know that many of you lack confidence. You lack equipping to know how to handle the scriptures and the good news of Jesus in a way to connect people with God's heart. And so uh, these are a few of the, the offerings that we'll have this year. Our faith as we unpack basic beliefs of the Christian faith. Some of you are trying to figure out um, how to get your finances in order Um, that'll be a class available. We're gonna have a defense of the resurrection class right after Easter. 
that'll help you understand what did the scriptures teach us about that and why we believe it was a real event and he rose again. And then we'll have our Discover series. Actually, Discover Fellowship is our pathway to membership. Um, that will begin um, here in a couple of weeks. And so if you're interested in that, you'll want to get signed up for that. Um, discipleship, where we help people understand how to be multiplying followers of Jesus. Evangelism, how to share this good news we're talking about this morning. And then finally, Discover Your Bible, where we take you through passages of Scripture to help you learn how to be a self-feeder in the context of community. And so these are ways that we want to provide you and your family. And by the way, our early childhood team, our elementary team, our student ministry team, and our college team, they have a plan as well to help you grow in these spaces and equip you to be a minister of reconciliation. And so lean into these opportunities this year. There's a second metaphor that's used here. Um, it's called um, ambassador for Christ. He's called us to be an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador is simply one who represents one country to another. The ambassador is a messenger with the authority of the sovereign of a nation to speak on their behalf. The voice of a king or a president. The language used here, this is how one commentator puts it, the language used here is so strong in its import that it's so that when we proclaim this good news, it's equivalent to the voice of God speaking through us. And when I read that, I'm like, easy. <laughs> that feels weighty and powerful. But when we speak the word of God in its holistic entirety, in its message and purity of the gospel, God uses his word to transform people from the inside out. It's not you. These are his words that you speak, we speak on behalf of him, but it's his message, it's his spirit, it's his power that transforms. Let's get um, extremely practical here. It's a picture of our city. This is where God has you at this time and place in history to be God's voice and representative in your sphere of influence. What does it look like for you? Consider these concentric circles. And again, I know there's more. This is super simplistic, but I needed a visual to help you think through why God has you here and where he's put you here in 2023. We're to be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Jesus, first of all, in our homes that God's placed us in, be it with your spouse, be it with your children, whatever is family in your context right now. That's where we steward this message right out of the gate. It may bleed over into your extended family, and some of you have just gotten back from that season, and you're kind of glad, right? But you know that they're in need of this message, this good news, and so we need to be faithful in that context. In our parish, and this is the word that we're using around here to talk about our greater neighborhood that we come and go. For some of you as parents, it's your kind of your school district where your elementary or your middle school is, where you come and go in the ball field, you participate in activities with your child's team or extracurricular activities. Many of you spend tons of hours in the marketplace. God specifically has you with a certain client this year, on a certain project, on this team at this time to be a minister of reconciliation and ambassador for, for Jesus. Maybe you don't wanna be in that place right now but you are. Seize the moment and be God's good news voice to those who need this hope that we speak of this morning in the marketplace, a place of service, or even in these walls, in your community group. Allow the, the back door, the side door of a community group to invite others in who are outside of Christ. Invite them into that fellowship experience and begin to walk them through the gospel and in these four walls, in fact, uh, about seven years ago, a friend of mine who attends church here in Fayetteville, uh, during the meet, y'all remember the old meet and greet time at the beginning of service? Anybody wanna go back to that right now? Some of you don't like that. Others, you crave it. Uh, the, the handshake, how you doing, ask this question. I know the Josephs would love that, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, this young man, he struck up a conversation 
they followed up after church. They walked out and into the foyer, and he realized that this other person didn't have a relationship with Christ. And so he began to share the love of Jesus with him, and that person put their trust in Christ in the foyer on a Sunday morning at church. Okay? Just because someone is in this room doesn't mean they're in Christ. And some of you are that person this morning. For those of you that are members here, don't assume that every person in here is a Christian or a follower of Jesus. God has brought people here to hear the good news. And you are the hands and feet and the voice of Jesus in this place. This can be a place where you share the good news of Jesus. And this is good news for us. You have an opportunity to do that through service organizations that you're connected to that meet needs all through our city. He's put you here, specific time in a specific place. And then we believe, as we heard from Scott and Audrey, that this world is an opportunity for Fayetteville, Arkansas. We have just over 1,000 internationals that call this place home that come from around 105 different nations that are within two miles of this place as they're scattered about in Fayetteville. And we also have partner ministries that work on the campus that many of you fund and support. And we believe that this church is strategically located to partner with and resource launching reconcilers and ambassadors all over the world. And if you heard during our share time at the Thanksgiving share service, um, one young lady reminded us that she thinks there's a revival happening on campus. And there are signs of that. And we get to be a part of that here at Fellowship Fayetteville. We get to be a part of what God's doing in the world so we want to cultivate that experience. Let me close with this. There's a phrase here in this passage, right in the middle between 9 and 21. It's in verse 15. It says this. It says, he died for all, that those who, might, that those who live might, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I want to call you, church, family, fellow members, friends. I want to call you out of your unselfishness this year. What if this is the year where you are stripped of your own importance and you're not the centerpiece of the narrative? You know, we all tend to roll out of the bed as narcissists, viewing the world through our own eyes and how it affects us. Jesus frees us from that, and he gives us someone else to live for. Not another human, but him. I want to call you out of that selfishness and into a focus on him. Allow him to be your big why this year, his mission. What if this is the year your decisions are not rooted in self-preservation? Your decisions are not rooted in comfort or protection or safety or security. And then what if, in living for him, he gives us all that? In him. And when you're in his will, you're in the safest place there is to be on this planet. Where are you serving? To divest yourself of you. There's opportunities all through here. In fact, and I'll close with this, um, this morning I walked in, and we've got a little volunteer in the back. His name's Isaiah, and he's two years old. And I had my notes, and I handed them to him, and I said, take these to your mama. And the Lundquist serve in our booth back here faithfully, tons of Sundays out of the year. And he was my little messenger this morning. You know what else he does? He loves stepping on those little light buttons to turn them on in the corners so that mamas can be back there with their babies. And so when he walks into this room this morning, he walked over there and he punches those buttons. He's two. He's learning to think outside of himself and be a part of God's bigger mission here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Can we learn from Isaiah this morning? And this be the year 
where God rids you of yourself and we're on mission with him because of our true identity. Let's pray. Well, Father, your words are good and true and pure, and we're grateful to be part of this family of faith. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to obey and the power of the Spirit, and that you would embolden us to step out of our comfort zone to be on mission with you this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand and let's respond and worship to the word of God. Reflect on the cross this morning. Oh, how wonderful it is. And all the
Christ gave his life for you and brings you new life. The Spirit keeps you in the Lord's presence and empowers you to serve. May God Almighty continue to bless you and move you to give thanks. The prayer room is available through these doors on your right. There's communion there available as well. We love you, church. Have a great week of worship and happy new year.